Kingsman, world's finest tailor. But now we're going into the spy business. Very clever. Based on true events, meet history's most evil legends. <laughs> the assassin, Gavrilo Princip. Weakness, throwing arm. Strength, started World War One. The super spy, Mata Hari. Strength, screen presence. Weakness, scarves. Do you forget your manners? Guilty as charged. And a crazed monk. Resputin. Strengths. And weaknesses. You'll have to see it for yourself. It's good, no? Yes, very. Our enemies think we are gentlemen. It's time to remind them what the Kingsmen are. Nobility is born in blood. Boys are always so messy. The King's Man. All right, so I'm here today with Lita May. How are you today? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. So we're going to talk about the movie Kingsman that we got a chance to check out together in the movie theaters, in the actual theater, like the good old days. Yes. I can safely say that we're both big fans of the franchise, of uh, the Kingsman, mm. which came out several years ago. The other ones are, are more modern, for sure, and this one is kind of like a prequel. And I will say, when I first heard about the prequel, I was a little nervous because usually when it comes to prequels, usually it's because they can't get the the star of the first one back or something happens or whatnot. So they go and do a prequel to kind of mind the story in a way. To me, it isn't as good because you, you're familiar with the with the current roster of people and the and the storyline and stuff. So to, even though it has the same names and, and connected, it's still sometimes it's too far removed to really feel the same way about that movie or those movies as you do the prequel. And so um, this was an interesting one for me. I think the best way we could go about this is just to start off with uh, no spoilers, but just kind of overall thoughts. And did you enjoy it? And also, is it something that you would um, recommend to, to folks? And then after that, we could just kind of talk spoilers or thoughts about things that we really dug about the, the movie. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with you. So what did you, you think of the movie? You know, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be a prequel. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, I, I like the franchise in general, especially the first the first uh, movie was just great. Um, and I would highly recommend folks to go see see this movie. I mean, it's filled with action. It's just, yeah, it keeps you on your toes. It's a good film. And if you are into a little bit of history, it's kind of fun to watch it from that perspective, too. Yeah. That's right on. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well, a lot. More than I thought I than I thought I would. And like I said before, I was kind of uh, suspect of it, especially being a prequel. And then also it was supposed to come out like over a year ago. Mm. And um, I remember kind of seeing the first trailer and thinking like, eh. And then I remember seeing another trailer and I thought, well, you know, this might be okay. Mm. And then the whole thing with the pandemic came and then everything got pushed back, mm -hmm. you know, for over a year. And then the day kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And I was kind of wondering, like, 
is it getting pushed back because of the pandemic or is it not really that good or, or what? Mm-hmm. And then the movie started kind of getting released that was kind of being held back because of the pandemic. And those movies have just been kind of like disappointment. It seemed like um, for a long time, a lot of the first movies that were coming back to the theaters wasn't up to par. And so I kept seeing movies and just being disappointed because of one reason or another. And um, I saw the most recent uh, trailer for Kingsman, you know, kind of saying that, you know, when it's coming out again and it actually looked good. And I couldn't tell it's because I was starved for, you know, hopefully a, a good movie since the ones that I, I was, you know, excited to see were kind of disappointing. I was kind of, um, you know, actually looking forward to this one. So seeing it was a pleasant uh, surprise. I would definitely recommend it to folks. I love the story. I love uh, the action. It has heart. It's just so much stuff that goes on in this movie that's so unexpected that it's like a full journey. And I wasn't, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you need to see the other movies to see this one? No. Actually, this is one of the times I really think that you can actually watch this one because the prequel's out of order, basically. Right. Um, but this is one of the kind of times, like, if you never saw these movies before, I could honestly say, you know, check out this one first and watch them in the order that they really happen in, maybe. And it wouldn't take away from the stories at all. So I really, really did enjoy it. And also, when we get to spoilers, I'm not as brushed up on history as I guess you, Lita, because some of the stuff you were saying, I, I forgot all about <laughs> until you mentioned, especially with some of the characters and stuff. Because I know it's supposed to be historical, but then also I know it was kind of being played with a little bit, so I can't really yeah. tell that line. But with some of your confirmations and some of your comments, it's kind of like, oh, okay, so uh, this is on point in a way. So we both recommend it. We both dug it, which is cool. We could go ahead and get into um, spoiler stuff. Okay. <laughs> and I'll start with the whole thing with how it's tied into history. In a way, it's almost like, I won't say alternative history, but it is, it has real things happening, but it's mixing other things within it. And I knew characters like the, who's playing like the president, and I know like mm-hmm. the, the different leaders, and I know the stuff with Rasputin and stuff like that. Like I knew those were historical folks. Like I said, the way you were kind of, you know, giving me little tidbits and mentioning stuff that was coming up as far as history and how it kind of tied together, I thought was interesting. Oh yeah, it's it's funny. Um, it's really funny because as a as being in school, I really wasn't into history that much. Mm-hmm. Not until I got into college and had some really great professors, mm-hmm. and then just out of curiosity, just reading things or what have you. And you were talking about how the name changes and things like that. Yeah, yeah, because it it was what it was the the Russian cousin, the British cousin, and the German cousin. It talked about them growing up as kids and how they had their temperaments as adults was very similar. And one of the things that I had mentioned is that the Windsor family actually today um, has German ancestry. And because of the war, it was suggested that that German part of the family that they changed their names Mm -hmm. um, to Windsor for their own safety, but also so that they could be more accepted by the people. Mm. So that's um, kind of brought up on here, which was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's funny because it makes me want to look more into that um, and just history in general and how we're all tied in together, like Americans, you know, um, Europeans, and you know, just 
around the world how are we tied in together how do we fit in with each other right. it's really interesting to see the dynamics of that and then also kind of how things are today because of our histories but in any case yeah because all the past do affect the, the current state of things believe it or not and sometimes we wonder why things are the way they are but if we kind of you know follow the, the trails and the history it kind of gives you more insight of how things became what they are and how things are labeled or mislabeled and how history has changed so it's, it's very interesting even though we went ahead and talked about that part I think, it, you know what, let's start from the beginning. So I thought it was interesting how the movie started out because I didn't know where where it was going. Um, mm-hmm. So we had this, this gentleman, him and his wife and child, um, they're gonna go visit somebody and they're in Africa, South Africa and what, 1902 or something like that. what do you think? Yeah, I didn't know what it was going to, where it was going either, but it really sets the stage for everything. So you have, um, the Duke of Oxford, his young son, and his wife, and they're on a mission. They're a part of the Red Cross. Yes. And they're on the mission to deliver some supplies for two folks that are a part of this uh, refugee camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be very hush-hush. And they were ambushed. Um, and as a result of this, um, the Duke's wife was shot and killed. Yeah. Yeah, because like an assassination attempt for the for the leader, right? For, yeah. It's supposed to be an assassination attempt on him and end up getting the Duke's wife instead. And so basically the Duke get injured and his son witnesses his mother being killed. And he must have been like maybe what, like five or something like that. Right, yeah. right. And then they're... Um, what would you call them? The Shola? Would you call them a, a what? Shola. Yeah. I wouldn't say slave, but... In, uh, well, yeah. you know why you're saying that, though, but he's more like a manservant, <laughs> I suppose. You're saying that because he's black. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> anyway. What was happening in 1902? Oh, well. During that okay. time period, that makes sense. Okay, okay. but... Um, I would say he was more like a, a manservant. Like, yeah. he looked over the household. He took care of the child. You could tell he was, Shola was very protective of Conrad, who's the son, mm-hmm. the five-year-old boy. Um, even to the point when things break out, like, he, you know, they're riding in this carriage, and he pushes him down to keep him safe while he jumps out to protect and, the family. And he actually takes out the assassin. Yeah. He found the guy, but it was a little too late, and the mother ended up dying. So after all that went down, it kind of like I have a flash forward. I don't remember how many years. How 12 many, years. Was it 12 years ahead? 12 okay, years. Okay, 12 mm-hmm. years ahead. So now the Duke and his son Conrad focuses on them. Kent Conrad is, is older now. He's still a young man. Him and his dad, they come back from their trip and they're greeted by their servants. And they have this big old staff and you can tell it's just them and then their big staff. And one thing that kind of stood out to me is when he was greeting everybody, um, we saw a familiar face, Sholo, seeing him, but then the rest of the staff we never saw before. Mm. So I thought it was interesting how they were going down the line and everybody, all the women and men was kind of like curtsying or kind of bowing to him. And then there was one last person at the end that didn't bow to him. I was like, <laughs> what's up with that? 
And he kind of looks at her and said, you know, I need to see you in my office. So, so basically, I thought, oh, you know, she's in trouble and something going on with them. I almost kind of thought it was like a relationship or something. Mm -hmm. It was something while she's being defiant, but I, I didn't really understand it. But it was a trip when they got into his office and they were talking and stuff. And she was saying all these different things, how she didn't like how he did something. And he was like, hey, it's one thing to, to act like this behind closed doors but in front of the, uh, the rest of the folks don't you know that's not cool and she's like well when you start acting right i'll start acting right <laughs> and she was talking about he was being rude because he didn't offer her a drink and i'm like what is this relationship right, you right. know with his help you know yeah and then she was the nanny so she right. raised his son <laughs> right right yeah yeah so I, I thought that was very very interesting paulie was her name yeah, yeah. And then I also thought it was interesting in the relationship with his son, because his son wanted to prove so much to be a man. And the way he wanted to prove it was by, you know, joining the army. And stuff just kept coming up about it. Not only the son, but the son being kind of, you know, in a way, wanting to do it for duty. But then also he had a situation where I think somebody gave him a feather, which meant that he was a coward. And mm -hmm. it seemed like he just didn't really, um, you know, he, 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 I guess, being young and at that age and stuff, I guess you do try to, um, I guess, make your own bones. Mm -hmm. And so, even though he's in a privileged place, he has something to prove, you know, not mm -hmm. only to people, but to himself. And his dad ain't trying to hear it the way he's yeah. trying to prove it. Cause he's like, well, I don't want you to prove it by going to war because war is nonsense. Like he was also in war and he, um, understands that it isn't what people think it is. He learned a lot from that, yeah. you know, and I loved how they mentioned about taking from, from other countries and stuff mm -hmm. and people trying mm -hmm. to defend their own land and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, that's yeah, so... He, he, the father, yeah, he came to that realization, but part of it too is that his wife, before she passed away, she's like, you know, you got to promise me that our son will not partake in war or see war and that, and he promised his wife that that's the case. Right. So he really just kept his son close to him, you know, and I think it was one reason was to keep the promise to his wife. But also, like you said, he had experienced war mm -hmm. and he felt like with each kill, it took a little bit of himself away. He lost a little bit of himself and he was trying to explain that to his child. And these were just people who were trying to defend their land you know, and they were made into the enemy, right? But right. basically it's like, but what did they do? They were defending their land. Right. So he, the father, the Duke Oxford became what they called a pacifist. Yeah, and it's so funny because he had all this respect with all these people who were heads of state and things like that. Like, it was just funny because you don't know exactly how, but he had the ear of everybody, which mm -hmm. I thought was very powerful to the point where if he wanted something to happen or not happen, you know, they would actually listen to him. Mm -hmm. Like, we said, hey, I don't want my son involved with this. You know, you got the top ranking guy saying like, hey, he's not in it. His dad says he's not in it. It's funny when you see the person that's ahead of everything kind of listening to somebody that you don't know their connection to them. It's kind of like, wow, how does he have their ear like that? Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. It was kind of cool to see. And we still don't have a clear understanding of how that works, but he really is connected. Well, I think in part is because what his, his cousin was like the 
czar of Russia, and then he had another cousin that was... So those three cousins were his? He's a duke, and then there were three cousins. Right. Uh, one was German, Russian, and British. So he and the British cousin were connected to each other. It was some kind of way, because remember his son got letters from his cousin, because yeah. he had sent him a message talking about how things are going bad with Rasputin and stuff. In and how Russia, he, yeah. How he's trying to take over and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was interesting how everything just kept kind of pulling to, you know, getting, like he's trying to stay out of stuff and he's just constantly getting pulled into things. Mm -hmm. He's constantly trying to keep his son out of things. And then eventually they introduce like, you know, the quote unquote, the bad guys. And you're seeing how behind the scenes, this group of guys of one leader are kind of initiating different people that's connected to, you know, heads of state and things like that. Like mm -hmm. they're number twos or the strategists. So they are kind of working together to, um, to kind of get this war going. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of plotting behind the scenes. And it's kind of interesting that the people closest to him were all kind of countering what, what the people they were working with were doing. But it was also neat too, the same way they were doing that to have an agenda that we find out at the end, you know, to have these wars and stuff kind of happen. It's almost the same way how you kind of find out. So the Duke of Oxford, you find out that even though he knows stuff is going on, he's a pacifist, he's trying to do something behind the scenes. And, and that behind the scenes is uh, working in intelligence, getting information and trying to do things on another level behind the scenes. And then you kind of find out that Holly and the then nanny. <laughs> uh -huh, and Sholo, they kind of work with him, mm -hmm. um, gathering intel and stuff. And I thought it was so neat that they were using all the help, you yeah. know, like the the service and the, you know, and and all that to get in, get intel because they're technically I guess invisible, right? And they're in the same spots everybody else is, but nobody thinks nothing of them, right? But right. they but they are yeah privy to all the information. It's because of their status, you right. know, it's so hiding yeah. in plain sight. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a cool concept. I think that's really really neat how they use that to their advantage. And then throughout the movie also, you see how it grows. So they're like, you know anybody that works at the White House? They're like, yeah, you know, most of them are trained in England. So I, I know some people over there. So I like how they how they kind of get intel and working the things from behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So Comrade get a, a letter from his cousin saying things are not going cool in Russia due to this monk named Rasputin. Rasputin. <laughs> and so they journey out there to kind of take out Rasputin, which I thought was very interesting. That guy is a character. Yeah, so that was entertaining and funny and scary at the same time. Yeah, that, that was a mixed bag. But I, I, I thought, mixed bag in a good way, but it was very entertaining because you yes. just didn't know where they were going with it. Because <laughs> he had a thing for um, sweet and young boys. And mm -hmm. so they were going to use that to entrap him to take him out so they could regain kind of control of, of Russia. Fight scenes were entertaining. The dialogue was entertaining. It was silly at times, but it, yeah. but it was it was really fun. Yeah, it was a good ride, the film. Yeah. Mm. Um, after that kind of mission was completed and um, they were heading back home, Conrad told his dad and brought it up again that he wanted to, you know, join the army. And he was like, once again, you know, why can I want you in it? And he's like, well, I'm not really asking anymore because mm. now I'm old enough and I can, I can go. Because yeah, they were just celebrating... They were celebrating his birthday right. on the return um, from Russia. And uh, it turns out he was 19. Right, right. Yeah. And so he, he was going. So he ended up just joining 
and uh, you know, even though his dad didn't want him to. And so that that whole thing was was interesting. Once again, the Duke had connections, and had a thing where he's gonna get his son out of it. So when he's talking to he he was talking to one of the, um, cousins. the cousins. When he found out his son was in the war, yeah, he pulled some strings to get him out. And you could tell that the Duke was feeling kind of like, I don't know if I should do this. He's like, I'm not going to not take the offer either. Right, right. And so it ended up being where when his son went to go get his assignment, it was like, oh, well, you must be lucky or you got the eye of the king on you. Mm-hmm. Because basically he's going to be a pencil pusher and not going to see any war or the front line or anything. And so with that happening, Conrad was like, well, two could play this game. And at first you don't know what he's doing because he's like sizing up some other low entry military folks. And he finds one that's kind of his stature. And he's like, I need to talk to you. And the guy thought he was in trouble. And then you see what you believe is Conrad walking back home. But then nobody recognizes who he is. And you realize it's somebody in his place. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, delivered a letter to his father saying that uh, he switched places with this other guy. You know, yeah. he's going to, you know, see the front line and be on the front line. And that whole thing with the front line thing was so crazy. That's st- that, Yeah, oh, that, that got me. That, that was got just, me. That was just so crazy. Yeah. So this guy, this pampered kid, you Conrad. know, Conrad, he wanted to be on the front line. He got there and you just saw, even in the beginning, they showed a scene of people on the front line just going up there just to get slaughtered. Yeah. Just to get slaughtered. Like you stick your head up, you potentially get shot and you're gone. And so that's where he's going to. And then, so he's on one side of it, and then they see this guy trying to come around. And the thing with that is the way they're positioned, you can't tell who's who. So anybody that's coming towards you, you're just shooting. And mm-hmm. so they saw a guy coming towards them with their flag, but didn't didn't make sense to them why he would have the flag. And yeah, even the though... British flag. Right. And even though he was coming to the help German them, side. they yeah. end up shooting at him. And yeah. he ended up getting blown up. And then you're kind of like wondering, you know, and they was like... That was crazy. Why was he running over a British flag? And the yeah. guy walked up and said, hey, he was for us. He was a spy. He's bringing us information. Mm-hmm. And so even though the guy got blown up, the intel that he had was still out there. And so they were asking, like, who's going to go out there and go get it? Yeah. And then Conrad, being the person he is, stepped up forward. And he was the only one that stepped up forward. And then the guy that was in charge was like, well, everybody stand next to him. Stand up, too. And y'all going to go up there and go, go get him. And so they went out there by night. And it was so interesting because I thought it was so cool. Because at night, everybody kind of goes to their respective sides and nobody's shooting. It's like a respect thing. That totally tripped me out because I was wondering, like, what are they doing? It's not 24 hours. They they take breaks and stuff like that. And I get it. When you explained it to me, it made sense because, like you said, anybody goes out, Mm -hmm. everybody's going to start shooting, Mm -hmm. you know. Both sides. Both sides will start shooting. So friendly fire, shooting the so-called enemy, just... Right, right. Yeah, but they had this... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, But there was this powerful scene where they were kind of creeping up and they just, you know, they're creeping up to go find the guy. But then you see these guys on the other side creeping too. Mm-hmm. They kind of stopped to look at each other. They had guns pointing at each other and stuff. You see one side kind of like just like looking like everybody waving everybody to put their, their guns down. And so when you saw that, what did you think? I didn't know what was going on okay. because it was like dark. You have like the German side and you have the British side. And it was almost like they were in negotiations or mm-hmm. something. They were. You know, and but it was like, okay, we're going to put our guns down mm-hmm. and we're just going to have, you know, we're going to fight with our knives. Mm-hmm. Hand-to-hand combat. Hand-to-hand combat. So it's like pulling out knives and one guy had a hammer and 
a mallet. It's it pretty, it's pretty tight because they had to do the same thing they had to do, but they had to do it in a different way because they would both be in trouble if any kind of noise sides, or, or, yeah. or they see any firing going on, both sides gonna start shooting. So it went from this gunfire kind of thing to this whole stealth fighting kind of thing, which is pretty neat to see that. You know, I don't know if I've seen that in the movie, but I thought it was. I've neat. never seen that in a movie before. I don't think I have either. I thought it was pretty neat yeah. that they showed in how that went. I thought it was very cool to see. And so everybody's getting killed softly and quietly in the night. And Conrad is holding his own pretty good. And then during the fight, one guy with the mallet ended up hitting something and made noise. And once that noise went off and people started hearing it, Start getting firing for both sides, and you just yes. see people getting pelted, pelted, getting tore up. Yeah. And you got Conrad trying to get out of there. He's running, trying to get out of there, and all that firing at him, and and they're shooting rockets and stuff at him, and and it gets you know. And, and basically, he's the only one to survive out mm -hmm. of the six men, right. and also um, on the German side, the men that when they were doing hand to hand combat, he was the only one to survive. Mm -hmm. And luckily was able to just, you know, jump into like a ditch. Yeah. He almost got almost blown over there. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, and the, just the realization of what he was in the middle of. Yeah. It started to hit. You know, he just, he just started panicking. That whole time he went through all this stuff, it wasn't tripping. But when he was there at that moment, stuck in the middle of it, too far mm -hmm. to get back. And don't know what he's going to do mm -hmm. in the dark. And everybody else is dead. He's like, you just see it on his face. Like he is, that's some good acting. He was just falling apart. And he started crying a little bit, and then you heard somebody say something. And it was just like, huh? And he looks up, and it's the guy who was coming with the intel. Mm -hmm. He was a spy. That he, he saw the spy just laying there, and he had lost one of his legs. And the flag that he was carrying, he used as a tourniquet to stop the bleeding mm -hmm. on his leg. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. And he's like, man, you know, he's like, well, I shouldn't be the one crying. So, you know, he understood. And he was yeah. saying, like, I, I wish I could tell my dad that I understood what he was saying. Like, I didn't understand. And just that moment of just like, you know, realization. I think we all go through that with our parents where we yeah. just think they're talking whatever until what they say kind of hits us in real life. And yeah. then you just kind of have to acknowledge it. And, and it's so overwhelming at times, depending yeah. on what that information is, like the reality of it. Like they told you no all these times and you said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And when you did it or it happened to you, just you, like you realize why they were what they were trying to say. Ain't no lesson like that, boy. You have to experience it on your own because all they really want to do is protect us, right? You, you right. want to protect your children. And you're using your own wisdom and experience to try and protect and guide them. Yeah. And they may take it a different way. Right. Yeah. Or you're trying to hold them back when you're really trying to keep them safe so they could be around longer. Yeah. So that was just powerful to me. And, um, and how the gentleman, the spy, I mean, he was hugging him. He was holding him. They were yeah. holding each other and rocking. Yeah. Cause he called him over because he was cold and he's like you know so there's like trying to keep together the but he was holding him as well but he yeah. called him because he's cold and you know in the middle of the night yeah but that was just very powerful and the guy was consoling him and he's like well you, you know it works out where you get to be the hero you know i can't walk and so you'll be the hero and the guy was like conrad's like you know correction we're gonna be the heroes yeah and then you see a scene of them running over the ridge with that guy over his shoulders and he's running back trying to get back to his side and it's all quiet in the beginning and then all this firing and shooting because you're trying to beat the sun the sun's coming up it's about to be going down again yeah and you're trying to get out of there before the first fire so and they're trying to travel in the night to get back and they get a good distance and then you know the sun comes up and it's back on so it's all this shooting 
shooting and firing and stuff and he's carrying the guy you know he's tired you know he's winded you know the guy's heavy they almost make it back and both sides are still kind of shooting but i think they realize like it's their guy yeah so they kind of stop so they try to shoot on the sides of them not to make sure not to hit them but the people from the other side is shooting all over i think i don't know if they got bombed or they stepped on a mine or something but they got blown over to their side which was yeah. good and he's like, oh, and so they, they helped Conrad up. It's like, oh, you you know, that's amazing. I never seen anything like that. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah. And he said, so what happened? He said, well, you know, ask him. He'll he he can explain everything to you. And he's like, no, man, he took the the brunt of the blast. He's yeah. he's dead. Yeah. The yeah. guy who had the information is dead. But he had the information. He had the intel. Yeah, Conrad had the intel. Right. He passed it to him. That's yes, he told the guy, like, here, yeah. you know, take this. And he's like, no, man, you take it yourself. What's your name? And the guy was asking for his name. So he could get credit for it, because that was like a big yeah. deal. That was that was powerful. Yeah. And, and he said his name. He gives Archie Reed, which is the guy who he, he, swapped, places he swapped places with. Mm -hmm. So Archie Reed is the one who delivered the letter to his father. Right. Yeah. And then what happens is a friend of Archie Reed. Right. He's like, you're, you're Archie Reed? Archie Reed from the blah, blah, blah regiment? Archie Reed from blah, blah, blah? Archie you're Reed, from blah, Scotland. blah, My best friend, Archie Reed? I've been looking for him this whole time. Right. And he pulls like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. And he pulls up. The intel. The intel. Which has like a German right. symbol on it. And he said, you German spy. And he. Shoots him. Get in the head. So he survived all of that. He survived all the training. He survived running that, across a battlefield Rasputin he survived Rasputin <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing was interesting and just to make it back to the other side just to be shot in the head for some misunderstanding right and flashes back to the Duke reading the letter that's from we find out Archie Archie tells him that you know his son Conrad died in battle mm -hmm. and it just breaks him yeah it just breaks him and and he's looking at the picture of his his wife who passed and he's looking at the picture of his son it just breaks him it's a powerful scene because all that stuff he did he still had the same outcome that he was trying yeah. to avoid and so he just lost himself and he he just went into drinking yeah and he just deep, kind of deep depression spiral and, yeah. right right to the point where Polly yeah Polly the nanny <laughs> she um she couldn't take it anymore. She's like, I can't see like this. Like my heart is broken too. Like I, I, I can't take this. I, I quit. I quit. You know. She was saying about how don't be the man that you are. Be the man that he would have been. Mm -hmm. Talking about Conrad, mm -hmm. and that snapped him out of it. Yeah, I think that little bit of a kiss helped too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, because uh, Polly, there's a picture of. Uh, the Duke's wife, beautiful painting, and she's just basically like, forgive me my lady, and she plants a big old smacker on the Duke's face, in which case on his lips, which you knew there were some extra feelings there, because even when he got the announcement that his son had died, whose name was he calling? Polly's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was powerful, but it kind of snapped him back into into action so they were getting a plan together and they were going to just kind of handle it themselves yeah, yeah and take them to their own hands once they got the plan together well they were trying to basically the whole thing was to so what is this the first world war yeah. and they're trying to get russia 
to not fight, to bow out, so that it would just be the Germans versus the Brits. And then the thing of it is, the British wanted the Americans to join, and the Americans are like, I'm not getting in that. That's not my business. Mm -hmm. And so, due to Rasputin and all his magic, <laughs> uh, he was supposed to be a mystic, you know, they got Russia to, to bow out, and then it's like, okay, if the British are going to survive this war, they need the Americans. And so it turns out that they're, like you mentioned, there's this main bad guy. He has all of these people working for him. Um, and you'll find out later why. But he has all these people working for him where he's turning like, what, the Germans against the Germans, mm -hmm. the Russians against the Russians, the Brits against the Brits. He has these different people planted where they're just whispering little things. And it's like, well, we got to go to war then, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So basically, um, you know, they know that if the Americans join the war, that it's going to be over. Right? right. And so at the time, Wilson is president. Woodrow Wilson is president. He's like, I'm not going into this war. You know, they... Um, through the Kingsman's connections, they find out a little bit of intel information. America's like, I don't believe it. I need to find proof, which makes sense. You know, you right. want to see what's going on. But and then they did have proof. But the Americans decided still, I don't want to join that war. And it turns out it's because the president was being, being blackmailed. Right. And what's interesting is the proof that they got was delivered by their son. Yeah. That's the intel that by the son Conrad. secured yeah. going across the front line. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of powerful that all the work he did pretty much helped put it into mm -hmm. the war. But like you said, it was one more hiccup. And the hiccup was is the fact that America wasn't moving like they were supposed to. And it wasn't moving because, like you said, the president was being blackmailed. The Duke went to go check it out for himself to see if they could get some clarity of the situation. Yeah. And on his way there, with some intel, he knew to go at a certain time. And he came across the, the woman that was part of uh, the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And she was there to seduce the American president, filmed it, and so was blackmailing him. Mm -hmm. So basically, you stay out of this war or we'll release this footage. Right, right. And he ended up taking her out. So it wasn't, she wasn't a factor anymore. The Duke took her out, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's interesting how, how he realized who she was because he's kind of putting things together with the other people he was coming across. And the clue that he found was the one thing that led him to where he needed to go. Cashmere scarf mm -hmm. is what kind of let him know and how yeah. things were connected. Mm -hmm. And he went to the Kingsman shop to get information about where would that come from, find out it was very rare, certain goats, and that's how he found where they needed to go for the, yeah, for the last yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, so they end up, so it's Shola, Polly, and the Duke, and they hatch their plan, and they end up going to this mountaintop where the main bad guy resides. And it turns out he is raising the goats, and that's where the cashmere comes from. And so all the villains, you know, uh, the woman that seduces the president, Rasputin, and some other folks, they wear these red scarves that are made from the cashmere of these goats. So, so when the Dukes make it up there, and like some great action scenes and a lot of twists and things like that, 
What did you think of the reveal? Of who the bad guy was? Yeah, who the head okay. bad guy was. So I didn't see it coming, but it made a lot of... Yeah, but the breakdown of it made sense. So the, the main villain worked with, with the... And I'm not really good at military um, titles, but worked with the main British... What would you call him? I guess maybe commander or commander-in-chief. Commander I'm not for sure. Something like that. But he was, in the, he was the top um, strategist. He was the top planner of the wars and, the, you know, if they should go in and not go in. And his, one of his advisors... His name is what, Morton? Morton was yeah. one of his advisors. Um, right. Turned out to be the bad guy. But the funny thing is, you don't know he's the villain because he's the advisor to the top British commander. Mm-hmm. And then that commander ends up dying mm -hmm. at sea. And you assume Morton, who's with them, did too. Right. But that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty much getting all the number ones to everybody else too to kind of turn the war. Matter of fact, it's interesting because it's almost like the little guy using the big guy's momentum against himself because mm -hmm. he doesn't have it himself. So if mm -hmm. I don't have an army, I'll turn your army against you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I thought that was very strategy. Powerful. Yeah, strategy. And then you find out that Morton is Scottish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is long history between the British and the Scots where they don't have a really good relationship. Morton talks about how his family had been affected by that relationship right. and he basically was taking his revenge on the British crown right. so all of this is due to Morton wanting to take down the British crown right yeah. and we were talking too about uh, perspectives and how depending on who tells the story sometimes the bad guy is here on their own story mm -hmm. and that's true in a lot of ways yeah the duke was mentioning about how you know their people they weren't good people like he's trying to find his way to kind of in a way reform but it doesn't change who they are yeah and how saying that you were a gentleman that wouldn't be a thing that you would say because that would get you killed but it's, it's almost a thing of refinement because yeah. of who they actually were before yeah yeah so it's almost kind of like saying like, hey, we came from questionable upbringings, yeah. you know, and now we choose to be Oxfords, you know, like it's yeah. like a choice, a moral <laughs> choice of being better. Yeah. But we, you know, we did some dirt to get here. Exactly. So, yeah. so when Morton was trying to get them, it's kind of like, well, they acknowledged that they were messy in a way to get what they need to get. And so Morton's plot, even though it's a perspective of, I guess, the Duke in a way. We're seeing as, you know, him being a bad guy. It's almost reminding me of like how the same thing with like Killmonger and in the Black Panther movie, yeah. where where the villain from their side, yeah. you know, they're the oppressors. And yeah. then the person who's being attacked, they take it as, you know, them being attacked for no reason, even though, you know, there's history yeah. that ties it together. Yeah, so, so, you know, I was kind of feeling like, you know, usually when you watch a movie, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. And then we are taught to root for the good guys. Mm -hmm. But then in this case, you know, like I felt bad for everything that the Duke went through. But then, too, I can understand Morton being upset. You know, his people had been oppressed. And I could totally see why he put things into plan the way he did. He was trying to get his the revenge for his people. So I wasn't too mad at him. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it was unfortunate how that how that kind of went. But it was just interesting. And the thing about it, the truth is, any kind of history and things like that is going to be messy. It's a mixed bag. So it's, nothing's ever really black and white. It's definitely a lot of grays. And we're just so used to getting one side of a story yeah. that we think that's how everything goes. And the truth is, like, even our, our history is, is really messy as well. But we find comfort in half the story because yeah. it keeps us seeming like we're on, a, on the right side of things. So it's, it's interesting. But I like how slick and... Um, I don't know. I, I like when an art is done a certain kind of way where you get a lot of truth in your spectacle. Yeah. And I thought this was a fun way to tie things in. It kind of simplified things in a way. Yeah. But gives you overall arc of how things really went, which is pretty cool. And like I said, I that got confirmed with the things you were saying because some of the stuff I didn't know was actual correct or 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 if it was just some stuff that was kind of you know mixed in there. It's kind of hard. Mm. Um, well, because a lot of stuff, too, like with storytelling, you know, some things you can embellish on certain things. So sometimes it's kind of like, well, what's true right. and what's not true? Right. You know, so, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the exciting part, too. You know, to get confirmation. Right, right, right. On the things that are actually true. Right. And two, this film made me really want to look more into this time period as well. Yeah historical historically and so at the end the duke decides to buy the kingsman tailoring shop yeah and to make it a headquarters for a new organization mm -hmm. and he's doing it in the name of one his son conrad and other people who lost loved ones and family members and stuff and they're going to be the ones that's going to try to do the things that the government and politicians and stuff can't do so mm -hmm. that hopefully it won't be another war mm -hmm. and other people lose lives like they did. Yes, yeah. And so they work behind the scenes and stuff to, to do that. And so that's where it's established and everybody gets their, their code name. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the Duke, he's Arthur. And you got uh, Sholo, he's Merlin. The magician. Yeah, Woo! which was dope. The and, magic and, man. Yeah. yeah, and so it was... And then Lancelot. <laughs> right, right. The thing of it is, is when Conrad was a little boy mm -hmm. and Shola was with him, and at the time when Conrad's parents were trying to deliver these goods to the encampments, they were talking about who would be Arthur and who would be Guinevere and, and Lancelot. And it was right. so sweet because at the time Conrad was naming his parents and then naming Shola... Like, you would be this person. You know, Shola would be Merlin. And right. He was so touched by that. He, yeah. He said, me? Yeah. So, it's, it's sweet bringing it back full circle, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I really thought it was really cool because usually this kind of movie... I like how Matthew Vaughn, he's a good director and good writer. He kind of averts expectations. So, I thought it was really neat that it had so much heart, that it was funny. Mm. Uh, I wasn't surprised about the action. That's how he rolls as well. I didn't expect a lot of it. And because usually a movie like this, I thought like the, the Duke would have died and then the mm -hmm. son would have did it in his in his father's name. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it was the other way around. And it was just, yeah. who, you know, movies usually don't go like that. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah. So it, so it was unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. But it earned its place and just like that much more. So yeah. uh, I'm interested when I watch the first Kingsman again and the second one. You know, I think it's going to feel a little bit more heavier to me. And it did a good job without even having a prequel, but it put enough bottom on it to where it stands even that yeah, much higher. So yeah. even when I look at that movie, it's going to be like when they 
ask Exe to be one of them. It's kind of like, this is really organization. Instead of it being like, we learned it with Exe, like this place been here all along. Now I know where that came from, how mm. far back it's tied and the traditions of it. And yeah. it just, you know, yeah, yeah. Makes me want to rewatch the other movies and me too. And see what that see what that does with having this as a part of what I know about that history and that storytelling. Yeah. We should have a marathon and watch the others. I think we'll do that. All right. So, do we have any last words? Go see the movie. Okay. I'll say the same thing. Go see the movie. So this was Jay and Lita May's movie discussion of the movie The Kingsman. Until next time. Peace. Bye, everybody.